welcome back into the deep fade. My name is Zach Elliott, as joined by always as my faithful compatriot, Raven. How are you doing? Doing good. How are you doing today? I am all right. How was your weekend? Weekend was good. Had some work. Was pretty slow, but can't complain. Money in my pocket. Did you think it was going to be like... Busy? No. I well, knew no. It was did you think it was, I was... Today, did you think it was going to be otherworldly shitty today? I thought it was going to be like really snowy. Um, kind of happy that I know it's this just is not above like temperature. the best content to start to literally be talking about the weather. But, oh, no. We did this on the daily t- but, uh, hockey show uh, too, so... But like leaving, working out today, it was like... And all like the amalgamation slush, right? of all the foliage that was left on the ground got blown around and tossed into the street. And so there's just like this slime trail on the edge of every curb. It's so bad. To step through oh, on the yeah. way to here. Yeah, it's my sh- disgusting. My shoes are a lot less white. I'm so sorry about that. You should be. Um, today we're going to go through final week of the NFL regular season, talk some of the playoff matchups. Uh, go over the college national championship that just finished up last night. Congrats to Michigan for winning their first title in decades. Um, quick thoughts on some of the games that mattered and didn't, and then wrap everything up. But without further ado, I broke up each of the games that happened in week 18 into a few different categories. Those being big games slash the most impactful games, Games that kind of mattered, games that didn't matter unless you're a fan, degenerate gambler, or futures better, and a game that did matter, but it was Bears-Packers, and it's going to get its own segment because it took part of my soul. Um, To start, probably the most impactful game of the day without argument, the Bills beat the Dolphins 21-14 in Miami. So, zooming out from just this game... Wrapping up the season, since now we can look at a full picture. Dolphins finished ninth. Bills finished 10th in offensive EPA per play in the last five weeks. It's not a totally encompassing thing, but it's one of the best that we've got. So looking at that, down the last few games, granted, Jalen Waddle's been banged up. Mostert's been banged up. A-chan is not a guarantee to be healthy throughout the course of a game, much less over the course of several weeks. But these offenses are relatively similar. However... Over the same stretch, Bills have risen up to six in defensive EPA, and they've won six great games. I believe in the same stretch that the Dolphins were in the bottom 10th of the league. So, Tua ends the game as rough as possible, throwing directly into double coverage. However, despite the bad feelings about him coming out of this, he led the league in passing yards. He was second behind Purdy in yards per attempt for quarterbacks who actually threw enough passes to talk about. He had the lowest time to throw in the league, which, again, is a reflection of his talent, but also a reflection of his offense and a credit to McDaniels. And he was fifth in passer rating, yet he somehow still feels like one of the main things holding me back. Am I wrong in saying that? I don't really think so, especially with all of his injuries and how he can kind of be a wild card during times. But I feel like they have... Everything but a quarterback that can really take them that far. like, Which I, honestly isn't fair. It isn't, especially with Tua's, you know, Alabama it, repertoire and, like, experience there. But it's it's injuries. and It is. Those sapped him coming out of Alabama when he had the Bo Jackson hip injury, which I think some people 
all the concussion stuff, that still gets lost. I think that he has an unfair reputation amongst media and fans that isn't his fault because going from last year where he was compared to Herbert all the time, which is unfair to Tua because they are not the same player and they will never be the same player. Herbert is a football cyborg and actually I'll take that back. In many ways they run their systems to a T and are uplifted by their players and coaches as much as one player can. I think Herbert has a higher floor just because of his natural arm talent and lack of significant injuries over his career. But Tua fits perfectly into what McDaniels wants to do. And McDaniels has bought into him completely. And that is something that is honestly a little underrated when you look at teams like even the Packers coming into the year, even, you know, Cowboys fans coming into this year questioning Dak. Like, to have your full support behind a guy means a lot. It's just there's clear limitations. They really only beat the Cowboys this year, and you could argue that they didn't deserve to win that. And some of the outcomes against other contenders were gross, going back to that first Bills game this year where they got the doors blown off of them, coming fresh off of winning by 50. And at the end of the day, they still could have won this game too. That said, I'm still taking the Bills until I can't take them anymore. Allen had two picks, but still finished with 30 for 38 with 359 yards and two touchdowns. If you're a fantasy player, you know how good he is because he finished as the QB1, and he led the team rushing in this game, too. Like, I can't think of the perfect analogy. There's a couple that I've heard. My favorite is that he's like a Marvel superhero, like, He's going to save the city, but he's going to break a bunch of buildings or in the same vein that he's just like the most powerful weapon to ever exist, but he's prone to friendly fire where you're going to get a lot of good, but it's whether or not you can live with those interceptions, those fumbles. Fumbles, it's more of a product of him being such an important part of the rushing attack. It's just which opponent is he going to have two picks and a fumble recovered for negative 15 yards against. If it's the Ravens, they're screwed. If it's the Dolphins or even the Chiefs, I think that they're going to get to at least the AFC championship. Other game that mattered, I think the most out of the rest, uh, Texans 23, Colts 19. Stroud is my baby, my son, my favorite. He is 20 for 26 for 264 and two touchdowns in this game. And I went through the exercise of ranking the QBs left in the playoffs. Raven, tell me if this is insane. Uh, number one, Mahomes. Number two, Lamar, based off pedigree. And for Lamar this season, where he is almost undoubtedly going to win MVP. Allen, a tight third. And then I had either Dak or Stroud as fourth. And tell me if I'm missing someone, but I don't think that's unfair. I mean... Just looking at the field, I mean, like... Looking at... That yeah, it's too uh, especially with like taking into Jalen Hurts. I mean, are you a big Mason Rudolph fan? It's a, I'm also going to take into account um, like playoff experience here. Like, sure, like Jordan Love did really good this year. I don't think he was one of the best QBs, like, hands down. Um, I don't, I think him not making this list also is 100% accurate, but I don't know. I think Dak has. You know, Dak had a really good season this year. Uh, I'm pretty sure there was the stat where it's like his touchdowns this year would have been like 
10th rated 10th like three years ago i think or something crazy like that sure. but just to show like how much defensive has gotten better as well like i do think rating Dak above stroud is a little bit more of something that like i can get behind just because stroud doesn't have that much experience in playoff situations i think, I think i'm being a little disrespectful only because I also look. I some of the uh, the overall stats are a little lacking because Stroud did miss two games, but he because Stroud finished with four thousand one hundred eight yards. Uh, Tua led the league with forty six twenty four. It's unlikely that Stroud could have gotten close to that, but with two extra games, he would there, have been close. There's a real chance that he could have been forty four forty five hundred yards as a rookie, which would have been top five and right by Dak. So. I'm extrapolating a bit, but Dak also did lead the league in touchdowns while only throwing nine picks. He had the highest passer rate in the league. Dallas's offense, I mean, this week laid the smackdown on the commies, but has been humming all year outside of one game. And I think that if they perform better against the Bills, that, like, it's weird to say because going into last week, Lamar was what, like 20 to 1? to win MVP, it was completely locked up because they just beat the 49ers. And I think that if we were able to, like... This is a take that I heard that I'm I'm coming around a lot on. I think betting has drastically affected how we view award races because I know it's meant to reflect like media narratives and what people are talking about and just how the money's moving. Com- get that completely. But... I also don't think the money moved that far in Lamar's direction. So I think that a, a lot of the time it might be the tail wagging the dog where betting lines are something that, I mean, we use to like augment what we talk about. Like it's something that we use as a tangible reflection of how we're feeling because Vegas says this and it agrees with what I'm saying. So there's a little confirmation bias. But I think that if you look at it, the season in its totality, yes, I think that Lamar still probably has the strongest case because the Ravens were still performing at their best against really good teams, like blowing out the Dolphins and comfortably beating the 49ers. I just think Dak has more of a case than he was given. Going back to Texans-Colts, uh, we'll get to the Jags in a sec, but because they blew it against the Titans, the Texans win the division. Like, I think going into the year, talking about betting odds again, they were, what, like plus 560 to win the AFC South, which not a great division, but credit to D'Amico Ryans. I think it's him or Stefanski for coach of the year. Um, I think, I mean, Steichen would have had a case if they won this game and all credits to the Colt this year. Richardson is going to have an outstanding team to come back to. They patched together a 13th rated overall DVOA offense, despite starting Gardner Minshew for the majority of the season. Their defense ranked 20th. But they seem like a prime team to draft a guy like Cooley McKinstry or Terry on Arnold out of Bama um, its draft season. Or if they want to, I think Pasch, Pash, I sound like Chris Collinsworth, pass rush is probably the, uh, the point of emphasis, getting more rushers on the edge or at least guys are rotated in. So Jared Verse or uh, Liatu, oh God, I hate saying his name. Liatu Ladu Tiam? That is a typo. Thank you for reading my notes, though. Uh, UCLA. 
Anyway, uh, no shame for it ending this way. I am going to cautiously predict that Anthony Richardson is... I, I think comeback player of the year is so stupid, and this year it's only gotten dumber. But I think Richardson is my leading candidate for that next year. And if they had a most improved, that too. Titans 28, Jags 20. Holy shit. Um, okay, on the more positive side, it was a very nice send-off for Derrick Henry, who was 19 for 153 and a touchdown. Did you see his uh, him talking to Titans fans after the game? No. So essentially after people were already clearing out for the most part, he took a second to like thank Titans fan and thank them for everything. And like I still think that he's going to have a team next year. Um, he's definitely lost some efficacy and he has become way more prone to stinkers. But it sounded almost like a retirement speech and I know I'm not the first person to to say that but I think he still has enough juice that he could at least be like a second like second well, line running back yeah he could be a rotational bruiser and I mean Henry's been doing his entire career where you wear down at the end of the games and then he destroys you mm-hmm. um but on the bigger story the Jaguars were eight and three six weeks ago they finished nine and eight and I'll I'll accept the uh, the crow eating for saying that they might end up as the one seed because I remember looking through their schedule. I think talking on here and saying that they really have a shot. I think it was right before the Bengals game, which look, Lawrence was banged up down the stretch, but like. Looking at the total picture, the Jags finished 18th in offensive DVOA after being 10th last year and winning a playoff game and staying in a game against the Super Bowl champion Chiefs. He regressed in a bunch of meaningful ways. His touchdowns went down, interceptions, yard per attempt, completion percentage, general vibes. And he got badly banged up in that Bengals game. I mean, there was the whole him limping off controversy and not using a cart. And I, but I also think that that moment kind of demonstrates what was going to happen the rest of the season. He toughed it out. Like he deserves credit for staying in and not forcing CJ Beathard to be the savior for the last few games. But like this season was inarguably worse. And they let a team that was starting at the beginning of the year, two rookie QBs overtake them in the division where I think, I think even if like the Texans had a worse record, the Colts by tiebreaker would have beaten the Jags. Like, that's unacceptable. Since leaving the Eagles, I think the only season where Doug Peterson has been actually well talked about or well received was last season because he wasn't Urban Meyer. Which, no duh, to not be the kicker kicker is a very low bar, but the Jags legitimately improved and, like I said, won a playoff game. Again, it was against the very um, disposable Brandon Staley. But, again, everyone was inarguably worse. I think Josh Allen, the defensive one, had the best season of his career. But, otherwise, there's nothing to speak of. I think, for them, it Peterson's on the hot seat and I don't think Lawrence is either. But, like... If they were given the choice right now to take Caleb Williams or Drake May and get off Trevor Lawrence, like, do you really think they would say no? 
Personally, I don't think they do. I think this year was a really good year of kind of being like, okay, what do we do as the Jags? Like Trevor Lawrence, <clears throat> first start of the season, really, really good. Second half of the season, battling somewhat of an injured leg and ankle. Uh, it was humbling. It was humbling. It it definitely, I mean, this was also the guy that won every single game from high school to college. So I don't want to say it's That was like, Kyler Murray. Was it? Yeah, Kyler Murray like never lost in Texas high school football and never lost. I swear, I know, I swear uh Trevor Lawrence did the same in Georgia. He might have, but I know that that's a big thing for Kyler. And so well also because people like to make uh you juvenile based jokes about him, but I mean, it's the same with Lawrence winning at Clemson and then coming in and getting shellacked as the QB under Meyer. Yeah, I mean, I think they, I think it's time to start having this discussion on moving on. But look, I think, I think it's too, it is too rash to say that only because coming into this year, I think people were hailing him as, oh, he's going to be a top five guy and an MVP candidate. So to completely flip on him in a year is, it it it's I I see what you mean. I think it's time for the discussion. I don't think it's time to like really implement it. You know, from what you saw as a Jags fan this year, I think it's enough to be like, one more year. Let's see how he does next year. See if we can fix up any like the offensive line, make that a little stronger. I was gonna say get offensive linemen. Like this is always my thing, for. And this is my thing for Fields or not so much love because he hadn't been starting up to this point. But guys like that, take away every excuse because once you put everything around them and if things are still questionable, then you know. So Lawrence showed enough last year, won a playoff game up and down this year, continue to build around him. And then I know they're going to pick up his fifth year option. I'm almost sure. So you don't have to give him an extension yet. Uh, Trevor Lawrence won 50, 41 straight games in high school and then went 38-2 and two in college. So right. a very long streak of his life without losing a game. I think some of that's overblown because like he's never faced adversity. But he's faced some good teams. Like, I'm not going to say Georgia like high school is, you know, all that, but there is a lot of good schools. You got Buford, you got Cartersville. No one cares. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, bro. If you're if you're a college fan in the southeast, especially like SEC, a lot of people care about high school football and where those okay, guys. Are I know go. Texas and like high school football in the South is. I just don't care to learn about the Buford Bulldogs. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Um, Moving on. Yeah, games that kind of mattered. Uh, Bucks nine, Panthers zero. This could have been really bad because if DJ Chark scores and shouts to Bryce, moving to his left, hit him in stride, good throw. I think if DJ Chark scores and that isn't penalized, I think the Panthers kind of waltz into a win. It was disgusting for the Bucks for most of this. Uh, credit to them for winning the division, but and I, I like it because the Saints absolutely didn't deserve it. After the up and down BS of a year and Derek Carr and any team that despises quarterbacks so much that their star receiver has to delete his Twitter account for talking shit about him. 
doesn't deserve to win the division. But the Bucks, the good feelings around this Bucks team have deteriorated over the last two weeks just because I think Baker seems hurt. I think his shoulder is hurt. And as much as I'd prefer to pick them over the poopy Eagles, it I can't in good conscience. And then another run through. Tell me if any of these are worse than the Panthers this season, but I put together some of the saddest NFL seasons that I could remember in recent memory. So there's this Panthers season, obviously. I was the Jets season where they beat the Rams as like 17-point underdogs to lose the number one pick, which was Trevor Lawrence, and draft Zach Wilson. The Texans season two years ago, while Watson was hurt riding on the bench and had many, many civil suits against him, and they were starting Davis Mills the entire year. And then, is this year's Patriots worse? Than the Panthers? Uh... I say yes because they don't have their pick, but like it is in many ways a lot sadder because they're also about to move on, I think. Move, move on, on from a franchise legend because yeah. of how shit-tastic it was. I I think you could argue that the Panthers and the Patriots both have had the worst, worst seasons. Choosing which one is worse is hard since, just since, you know, Panthers don't have the pick with the Bears and then... I think it, I think it's closer than we think only because the Patriots are also probably going to get the third best quarterback. True, which do not you that Jane Daniels check for one more year to see how he reacts with that. No, 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 because he's going to make the pick too. Like, yeah. and if they demote him from GM, he's not going to stay the coach. I would be shocked. So, it's I still think it's the Panthers because they did all this and traded for Young, and I haven't given up on him. But yikes when Stroud is ostensibly a top six quarterback and now they're probably going to draft the third best quarterback in a class that has been heralded for the top two. Rams 21 beat the Niners by one. The Rams secure a matchup against the Lions and we all rejoice because we finally have the Goff-Stafford playoff showdown. I wish that Stafford wasn't so nice about it when he's like, are you looking forward to it? He's like, yeah. Of course I'm looking forward to it because he's like he's like the the ex-boyfriend who went off and got married, got a better job and has two kids. It's like, how are things going for you? It's like, it's great. Meanwhile, the Lions just like got clean and shaved and finally have, you know, a pension. But they're on the way up and it's very possible that they backslide because they go out for too many drinks with Matthew Stafford. So, uh, Wentz atoned for many sins by gifting us said Stafford and Goff matchup. Uh, he's going to start for the Raiders for years to come. And then, who suffers most from a loss in the wildcard round? Goff, Stafford, McVay, pardon, or Campbell? I personally think it's going to be Stafford that suffers the most because you're going to have all of Detroit finally being like it was Matthew Stafford this entire time like they can't say that he won a ring right after leaving he did but Detroit fans are going to be Detroit fans like they're going to just they be, are the worst they they are arguably the worst I would say them and Philly fans are pretty pretty have some self-awareness but yeah yes um I'm talking about you but yeah. eh. 
Bears fan. Um, <laughs> for the coaches, I think it's going to be more of McVay. Uh, I think Campbell, you know, he told everyone what they were going to do when he came into office and like how they were going to play. And they've quite literally shown that. Whereas McVay, it's like you won a Super Bowl two years ago, three years ago. And is this their first time? Were they in the playoffs last year? No. So, yeah, first time back to the playoffs since. There's a lot of pressure riding on McVay for this. I would go the exact opposite just because I think it's funny because I know a lot of Rams fans still advocate for Goff and uh, wanted him to succeed once he left. And I think the same thing goes with Stafford for Lions fans. And so I, I think that Goff has more to lose because Stafford's proven it and got his ring, whereas Goff, this is the first time since that Rams Super Bowl run that he has been at the helm of a really good team. And now, as far as the coaches go, I think some people question Campbell because as much good has been done, the defense is still bad, and there are still questionable decisions. As much as we can talk about Taylor Decker reporting, we can also talk about him continuing to go for it from fourth and seven. Like, I I get it that if you lose the coin toss, you're probably going to lose that game in overtime. But, like, that's at least 50-50 because I also think they would have scored on Dallas. So, like, why are you still going for two from fourth and seven? He has stuff like that. And that's okay. I just feel like if they lose, and more importantly, if they lose on a decision of that magnitude, it's going to look rough, and people are going to be like, same old Lions. Cowboys, smack the hell out of the commies. They clinched the NFC East, but I don't think it was ever in doubt. CeeDee Lamb finishes this league, finishes the season leading the league in receptions. He's the first Cowboy to ever do so, and cemented himself as a top three to five wide receiver. And he, Sneaky, only finished 50 yards behind Tyreek. And this is goes to my point earlier that I think Dak should have gotten a lot more discussion about being MVP even going into this game where he just, you can call it stat padding because it was, but he made his stats even better to finish top five in like everything that matters, inclu- including rating where he's number one. This is the best season of his career. And it's funny because this is not the best season of Lamar's, but he's going to get rewarded anyway. It is what it is. Narrative, yada, yada. And I absolutely fault the Cowboys for not performing as well on the road or against quality teams. They should have lost to the Lions. But again, him, CD, not the problem. They should deserve more credit. Uh, We also should not live in a world where Sam Howe is allowed to throw for almost 4,000 yards. He also led the league in getting sacked him and Bryce Young both had over 60 which is the first time in NFL history that that's happened and like this goes to a bigger point that scoring is down overall but sometimes I do think it comes down to decisions made Brissett was better every time he was in like why was he not starting more of the season like I get wanting to see what you can from how but at a certain point, you're letting the dude get the shit beat out of him, and he doesn't really seem to be improving. 
I mean, credit to the guy for having a 3,900-yard season on his resume for the rest of his life, and I think he's going to stick around. But if you're Washington, especially now that you're in the position to draft someone, please, please, please do yourself the favor. Uh, they, I mean, I don't, I think we've settled on uh, one of, I, I tell me if this is weird, because like I've heard some people trying to talk about May and Daniels being like closer than some imagine. I think that's ridiculous, but like Washington would be better off of either. I think Daniels would be a mistake just because your offensive line is still horrible. And you need someone who is, actually, maybe I'm wrong in that. I don't know. Draft offensive linemen and then please draft Drake May or Caleb Williams, whichever one you're gifted to. Because, again, I like Daniels. Those two are better. Steelers 17, Ravens 10. Uh, Without Watt, they're screwed. This was one of the worst-looking games just on the television broadcast that I've ever seen. Have you seen any of it? Because there was rain caking the camera in a way I've ever actually seen before. Where like on field goals, you could barely see where the ball was going. So that was weird, but I don't think we wanted to watch it anyway. Mason Rudolph in the playoffs gives me the same vibes as the year that the Raiders started Connor Cook because Derek Carr got hurt. So I'm expecting something disgusting. And then thank you, Ravens, for actually not playing your players and not letting them get hurt. Because as we'll get to, the Eagles lost to the Giants. They lost to them 10 to 27. This kind of mattered, but there was no way that the Cowboys were losing. With that said, was there any point to getting your QB and best receiver, or in Hertz's case, even more hurt? Like, what are you trying to prove? The Cowboys aren't losing to the Connies. You've been terrible for weeks. Who cares about momentum? Who cares about getting back on track? Take the week to reset yourselves and at least have an advantage in the playoffs. Like, what are you trying to do? Like, at least have a rest advantage. At least be healthy. Like, this meant nothing. Why are these guys playing past halftime? You're down 24 nothing. In the same way that the Steelers are screwed without Watt, if Hurts and Brown aren't healthy, you will lose to, like, half of Baker Mayfield. And that's disgraceful after making the Super Bowl the year prior. This season has already been somewhat disgraceful. And you're letting it happen again. Game after game. You keep compounding mistakes. And now, not only has your defense completely fallen off, you are putting your offense in a position to fail. Broncos, Raiders. I put this in the games that uh, didn't completely matter, but, like, whatever. There was uh, a scenario where if, I think if the, I think if the, if the Jags lost or if the Jags won, there was a weird way where this would decide whether the Jags or the Steelers made the playoffs, but it didn't. Uh, coming out of this, main question is, should the Raiders keep Antonio Pierce? They went 5-4 and four and their defense rose from the 20th in ranking to top 5 in his time coaching. Look, I know that it's best to be looking for a wonderkin to walk in the door and lead your franchise into the future. You're Mike McDaniel, you're Sean McVay, you're Kyle Shanahan, but... If it's not those guys, i.e., I think like the only person that I would be okay with replacing him is one of those guys, which isn't happening, or like Ben Johnson from the Lions, just because he is the coordinator that I have the most faith in going into a position. But if they like, 
don't know, if they pick up Brandon Staley or some ludicrous shit like that instead of promoting the guy that the team has clearly rallied around, it would be a mistake. Um, the Raiders are 13th in draft order and Denver is 12th, which is funny and something that I kind of wish I realized prior to this game. Do either of these teams, like, fight for a QB? Because I know that they're in a position where they're not getting any of the top three. It's gotten to the point where I don't think Daniels will go past four, even if someone trades up. So, like, do the Raiders or Denver bother drafting a Penix this year? Or just wait till someone else comes around next two years? Yeah, because, I mean, well... It's that or pick up like cousins because you either go into next year with AOC boiler up Aiden O'Connell or Jared Stidham. Like you can't go in with either of those quarterbacks and say you're actually committed to winning. I think it honestly matters more for the Raiders just because they have been resisting blowing shit up for years. Whereas with Denver, at least it's like, listen, we just got off rust. They might be given a little bit more amnesty to have a year to reset. They have their first going forward. They are bereft of like secondary picks this year. I know they don't have their second from, I believe the Peyton deal. So it's either one of them takes Penix. And honestly, I think that he's a better fit in Denver just because he has more of an infrastructure there and he's going in with Sean Payton. I actually really like Michael Penix with Sean Payton, a quarterback like that who is predicated on accuracy, going with a guy who coached Drew Brees for a decade. I think that is almost perfect, and their offensive line isn't as bad as some of the other ones out there. I think that, honestly, just because of the advantage in draft position, if the Raiders don't move up, I think that Penix doesn't get past Denver, which is just like a preliminary draft Position. I know things are going to change a lot uh, before before the draft actually comes, but that's just that's about all I took from this game because there was nothing else to. Uh, the Chiefs beat the Chargers. Like, who cares? No one significant got hurt. Um, if you're the Chargers, for the love of God, draft Roma Dunze or Malik Neighbors. Do not draft Brock Bowers. Every mock draft that I have seen, like for the people who actually care to look at them right now, has them drafting Brock Bowers. They do not need him. They don't need a tight end. They need someone fast. As good as Brock Bowers is, he is not a burner. He is not Kyle Pitts. Like, let let the Giants take him. Let Tennessee take him. Let a different team who is overvaluing tight ends take him. Because you need someone fast or trade Herbert because you are wasting his career. And if you want to put Easton Stick out there, go for it. Draft Brock Bowers. At least let Herbert play on someone who actually matters. Also, did you see that the Chiefs are going to play the uh, the Dolphins on the Peacock game? No, but that's really funny. Like, they won the Super Bowl last year. They're arguably the How most many... popular team in the league, too, with the, all the Taylor Swift stuff that has happened this year. That has not made them less popular. Do you think, um, how many people do you think, like, get Peacock for this Just one for game? This. I would imagine that it's probably... Is it in the millions? I don't want to say millions, but I'm going to say high hundred thousands. How many of them like forget that they have it almost immediately? 
until they check the the bank statement. They're like, shit, and it's another seven dollars. Uh, probably I'm gonna say eighty percent of those people. Because I think a lot of it's gonna be old people. Oh my no god! No disrespect yeah. to the oldies, but like, oh god, how the mighty have fallen. I think that if because of the Dolphins' defense, I mean, we'll get to it, but I'm I'm not gonna not pick the Chiefs, but goddamn. Uh, the Seahawks beat the Cardinals. This could have mattered. It didn't. Uh, going into next year, because I think these teams are very much on the opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of like concrete decision-making on what they want to do going into next season. Kyler was only 21st in EPA after coming back, but I do think he and the team had way better, you know, media coverage and discussions around them and just a perception than we ever could have expected them to after he came back mid-year. I was advocating for him to be traded to, like, the Vikings. But I certainly feel better about him starting next year than I did before he came back. And uh, Gannon gave a very firm yes he's going to be starting next year, which is a lot more than we can ask for a lot of these other teams. If you're Seahawks, you traded for Leonard Williams and your defense didn't get that much better, you know... Witherspoon is probably a good piece, but like that is the main focus. Gino was still top 10 to 13 and a lot of the important stats. So again, my the maxim that I have lived by in NFL team building is that you need a B quarterback and an A supporting cast or an A quarterback and a B supporting cast. Right now they have like B minus. Uh, Gino's probably B. I'll give him B. But the defense and... The offensive line, after performing surprisingly well last year, it ain't up to snuff. It's like a C. So whether that's trade, whether that's whatever, you have a window with Chino before he continues to age and while you still have Metcalf and Lockett in their prime alongside Kenneth Walker. You have great weapons on offense. For the love of God, invest every amount of capital you can into their defense, and I still like them to be in playoff contention next year. It's just disappointing after how exciting last year was post Russ. Also, did you see that? I Well, I don't think it's happened yet, but I know that I am not the first person to think of it where it's like, when does the, Oh, Russ would take a huge discount to go back to Seattle. Uh, I think this is the year that it would happen. If it, this did. is the only year where it would happen. I really don't see Russ coming back for Denver or for the Seahawks. I feel like the Seahawks are kind of invested in Geno Smith for at least another year. I don't know if Russ wants to retire a Seahawk. Yeah, you can sign him to a day contract. Let him do that. That's He's not going to retire. He's not going to retire this year. Of course not. But it's the same thing is do you bring him as like a secondary role to kind of grow someone behind I mean, you would just, at that point just keep Gino. Yeah. It's like, do you want to start Russ or Gino more? And considering uh, Pete Carroll is still there and Dan Snyder, or not Dan Snyder, Schneider, their GM, uh, that's, a, that's a no-go because he actively tried to get them fired. So, like, maybe bygones be bygones, but I, I have never found John Schneider or Pete Carroll, especially. Do you remember that uh, that interview at the draft when, 
or like it was, I think it might've been the combine where they were talking to them and it was just, they were giggling their ass off when they were asked questions about Russ and him sucking. Like there's no chance, but it's a fun story. So the Falcons lose to the Saints. Arthur Smith gets fired. He deserves to from how he mishandled his star players. Why is Bijan not... Why is Bijan almost splitting touches with Tyler Algier, who's pretty good, but, like, he drafted in the top 10. Same with Pitts. Same with London. You have, like, the bare bones of one of the best offenses of the league, but you insist on starting Taylor Heineke and Desmond Ritter. Granted, some of that goes on team building, but, you know, playing roulette has never worked. There has never been a good 2QB system in NFL history, and Arthur Smith was not the person to institute one. Uh, disagree with me if, if you if you think so. I think Jameis is kind of a shithead. Oh, 100%. Yeah. The Saints should not have done that. It's the last game of the week. You're already up by, what, 24? They're up at, yeah. Almost, and so... They're like, up by 30. 34. Jesus. So, like, yeah, you don't need to score again. You're just... I don't want to say you're, Sorry. like, stat padding, but that's essentially what you are doing. No, you were right the first time on the math. Um, yeah, it is. And to say that, like, it's like, oh, we're getting Jamal Williams' first touchdown of the year, and James being like, it was a team decision. Get the hell out of here. Like, there's... A- Have some respect for some of the unwritten rules. Look, okay, f- <laughs> unwritten rules. Like, don't get me... I hate that phrase. I hate it in baseball. I hate it in every walk of life. Rules are rules, and but unwritten rules are also kind of written rules because it's been written about for years to just not be an ass. He went out there. I mean, this goes back to Florida State and the crab legs stuff and him yelling in, like, a public space and getting suspended, all that. Like, he hasn't grown since then. I mean, going to the 30-30 season, he has never become less or more than who he is. And to... Like, I am not one to, like, be a a character warrior, but I'm just saying that, like, nothing that we know him for has ever suggested to me that something like this would be surprising. So, like, you know, if he didn't want to be on the Saints next year, there was a better way to do it. Just, like, look, also, Dennis Allen, I, I get it that you can't necessarily blame him for Jameis being Jameis, but, like, not... It, it was not a good look on the Saints or the organization, and goddamn the fact that they were still technically able to make the playoffs if the Packers and the Seahawks lost is ludicrous, and they should just relegate the NFC South. Uh, the Jets beat the Pats. It was really funny um, after the game was over, seeing the, uh, seeing, like, the card, the box score that they showed on other broadcasts, because the... Like, you know how they have the the weird superhero-looking images of players that yeah, they put when they, like, yeah. score touchdowns and stuff on Fox? Uh, they did that for Trevor Simeon, and I believe he threw for 80 yards. But, hey, good for them. Well, it's like the uh, browns Bengals the television, like, uh, preview was Oh, my God, Nick Chubb Burrow and Burrow. Chubb. Yeah, like, yeah. come on, man, change it. Like, Well, no, I think it's... It's that's just like oops, and they just didn't bother to change the player that they that they used for that title card early in the season. But for this, it's like 
I get even if he didn't perform well, put Brees Hall, put Garrett Wilson. I don't care how few yards he had. Put someone, Sauce Gardner. I don't care if he had one pass breakup. Like, just don't someone, do that. I was to say, put someone who's just playing. Don't just put the QB. Anyway, uh, is it is it the biggest what if this season if Rodgers doesn't get injured? I agree. Like, because you could say if like Burrow. Every every quarterback Richardson too, just like because the Colts almost made the playoffs. I mean, there are a lot of guys you could do this for. I just think because it was in four plays to start the season, I think because they still fin they still finished seven and ten, and they still finished six in defensive DVOA despite everything. That is even harder when you think about all the terrible positions like the Zach Wilsons and the Tim Boyles put them in. Where your defense has to like cover up for the offense's mistakes. And look, they're gonna get the 10th pick in the draft to draft an offensive lineman because they need it. And that will better protect Rodgers. And he's coming off of an Achilles, and hopefully he's just Kevin Durant. And for the sake of good football, I wish him well. Um, I refuse to talk about anything else that he did this week. Uh Did you see what Jimmy Kimmel said to him? I, I don't, yes, like, whatever. There's no point in breathing air because they are both a waste of air. Uh, Vikings 20, Lions 30. I'll say the same thing to the Lions as I did the Eagles, although for slightly different reasons. Why are you playing Sam Laporta? He, who is possibly the best tight end in the league in his rookie season. The game means pretty much nothing. You were relying on both the Eagles, who they did lose, and the Cowboys to lose. You really thought that there was any chance that both of them did. Like, again, I think we say it once a show, that health is everything in every sport. I get it that no one made it to the NFL being afraid to play football and that, like, you want to let those players build momentum. And I know Laporta set the rookie record for tight end receptions, and that's awesome. Like, he deserves it. He deserves to have a record because he is quickly become already a top five tight end, and you could sincerely argue him top three, and he's not three or two. Like, I get it. But Campbell, rest of the front office, it is your job to protect your guys. You knew there was so little chance of this actually mattering that you still put your guys in a position to get hurt, and now... In your first sufficient title in 30 years, you are risking one and done. You are making your offense actively worse. And it's so much worse because you're going up against Stafford. I get it. I get what they were going for, but it is dumb. Lions-Rams will be electric. Goff belongs in that game. They're top 10 in, in DVOA, top 10 in EPA. And Goff did it all while throwing the second most attempts in the entire league. Only to Sam Howell. But you take away, what, his second best pass-catching weapon, certainly. You still have your rushing attack. You still have your offensive line. You still have Amon Ra. But, like, again, why are you taking, like, modern Gronk away? It was just foolish, and I do not advocate for playing players unnecessarily. Finally, in a game that I would be surprised anyone watched, Brown's... 14, the Bengals 31. Uh, my only thing coming out of this game 
is that I am going to very softly predict that America is going to lose millions and millions of dollars on Joe Flacco in the wild card game. Um, otherwise, Bengals next year, you get Burrow back. Um, honestly, impressed with Zach Taylor to still put together a functional offense around Jake Browning. Jake Browning is a part of that too. He was better than anyone gave him credit for. Um, proud of you, Dub. He's probably not feeling great right now, but you are going to probably lose T. Higgins, and I would guess that Luana Ruma, their defensive coordinator, is going to continue to get coaching offers or at least have interviews. Uh, you had better hope that at least one of them stays because otherwise you are putting yourself in a bad spot. They have the highest pick that they're going to have for any season that Burrow's actually playing, and it's still only 18th. That's still in a position where I think that you could very reasonably take someone to replace him. That's a team where if they trade up and took Bowers, I would actually be in support of it. But they're not getting any of the top three. I don't know that they would even get like Troy Franklin from Oregon, but he might be there. Someone uh, who's the other guy at LSU uh Brian Thomas I think they have a chance at getting he's a big bodied receiver he I he would be a lot like T Higgins um just be careful on the brown side good job you didn't get anyone hurt wow it's really hard when we come back I will not be less sassy because we're gonna go through Bears Packers some thoughts on that some thoughts on the offseason for one of those teams I'll let you guess which one and then Raven and I will go through some of the playoffs. We'll be right back, everyone. We're back. So, one game left that we didn't cover. Bears go into Lambeau, final week of the season, with a chance to eliminate their rivals. It's the oldest rivalry in football, even though they haven't won it in nine straight games. Now 10. They lose 9-17. to So, a few things before I get into the rest of this. Uh, to start, congratulations to the Packers for making the playoffs with, I believe, the youngest team ever recorded by average age. Congratulations to Jordan Love, who over the second half of the season was third in EPA per play. He was fantastic. He set the record, I believe, for Packers starters in their first season as far as touchdowns go. And as an outside observer, objectively hilarious that they made the playoffs a year after trading Rodgers. Oh, yeah. No, I didn't believe that we would have gotten this far. It is a credit to Matt LaFleur as well. I know that he had the most wins to start a coaching career in his first three seasons with Rodgers. And then the wheels kind of came off. Not kind of. They did. Because one of the wheels got traded to New York. But it was a wonderful job. Great development by the receiving core of the course of the year. I think. I thought Jaden Reed was underdrafted at the time. Go green. Someone needs to say it right now. Uh, but... Dontavian Wicks, I mean, like, 
Watson from last year, I mean, banged up, but like having that guy as now maybe your third option, they still have Aaron Jones. This team was well-constructed. They have a great coach, and despite losing their quarterback, they had a backup plan who came in and was great. Credit to them as much as I hate them. The Bears finished the season 7-10. and We'll draft with the number one and number nine picks. Going back. Starting with Fields. Not ending with them. Fields was 20th in EPA over the same stretch as Love the second half of the season. It's not perfect. Mahomes was 19th, but the point remains. In this game, Fields finished 11 for 16 for 148 yards, no touchdowns, and no picks. I do not primarily blame him. This was primarily an offensive line issue. I will point out, although, that as I have criticized some of Fields' pocket management, some of that did show through, but a large part of it was a failure of the offensive line and starting Dan Feeney, who was already starting in the place of Lucas Patrick, neither of whom are starting offensive linemen. The line has gotten worse after being better in the middle of the year. It was a true bell curve where they improved while they started to win, and then they decided to absolutely suck right when it mattered most. They don't even play Cody Whitehair anymore. If this was the coaching staff's final exam, they completely failed. The vastly improved defense, albeit giving up 17 points, had the exact same game plan as week one and gave up 432 yards. They should have been snacked around way more than they were. They got lucky from fumbles, and it is a testament to the growth of people like Tyreek Stevenson, who forced the fumble in this game, Terrell Smith, rookie linebacker, and then Jaquan Brisker and Jalen Johnson, two young guys that we already knew were good, but showed that they were great, and they definitely need to re-sign the ladder, Please make at least one good decision in terms of free agency for once. Um, I'm sure that you, Raven, you will appreciate this. Uh, Love is going to own us for the next decade, like Rodgers did before him and Far before him. And in that vein, complacency is not allowed. I was wrong when I said that I was more open to Ibrahim's staying over the last few weeks. The defense improved. He's a defensive mind. Great. Forgive my ignorance. I mistook defensive growth with team growth and team growth with beating up on questionable teams and the Lions, who you could argue at least a questionable defense. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that he's talked about being a nice guy whose coordinators were either helpless, Luke Getze, or criminals, Alan Williams. Didn't forget about that. As a team, you're in a unique position to draft your savior and you cannot trust these people and polls only has one QB or coach left to get it right. You have a unique position to put whoever is the starter next year, whether it's fields or someone else in a position to succeed. We won't play that clip, but there is also an exit interview from DJ Moore, who is as cool a cucumber as you will find when it comes to interviews in the locker room. He gives as much as is necessary and has never gone on any tirade. And for wide receivers especially, who are prone to said kinds of outbursts, it seems, 
He has been as great an addition to this team, as professional of a hire. I know it's a trade, but stick with it as you can find. But even he said, it's like, listen, we have everything we need, just like different plays. Boiling it down, he said, it's play calling needs to be different. Even looking at some of Fields' passing charts, like it was pushed down the field when he did. It's just he went like an hour of real game time, an hour in real life without throwing a ball. You know, Eberflus didn't stand up for him. Like, he was not hopping mad. He was not at risk of getting thrown out of the game when he got shoulder-checked on a slide on his head and it got bounced off the ground like a basketball. Like, you should be... Like, if that happens to your player and there's not even a flag thrown, like, if they did it and then reviewed, great. They didn't even bother to throw the flag. You are not standing up for your players in a way that is necessary. That's another strike against you. Look, and there's other stuff. I mean, the big one being that Trent Taylor, waiver wide receiver, blocked, who is under 200 pounds, blocked the 272-pound Rashawn Gary on a run play. In what universe is that acceptable? Darnell Mooney was doing the same thing all year. Why do you think he's been hurt? He's He is not a blocker. Like, it's one thing to put him up against a corner, but you're bringing him in to down block on run plays when it's not like Calvin Johnson and Larry Fitzgerald. What are you expecting against edge rushers like Rashawn Gary? It's ridiculous. And it's just emblematic of everything we have seen this year. And to come back to Fields, Raven, if you'll play the clip. I mean, the thing is, we, we had the same, you know, topics and stuff last year so it's not like we didn't have the number one pick last year so I mean it's, it's going to be the same thing um, like I said I control what I can control and um, you know I'm going to get healthy this offseason uh, spend time with my family and um, get better so like I said we went through the same thing last year we had the number one pick everybody was asking what if what if what if and um, nothing happened so um, yeah I'm not saying that nothing might happen because shoot we all don't know but um, I'm not going to let the potential or what if what if not you know stress me from you know enjoying life and going through uh, my everyday life. Justin, what would it mean if you did get that investment from the team and believe you was the, the quarterback? Um, it would mean a lot, you know. Um, you know, uh, I have a pretty good relationship with Ryan and you know, the guys upstairs, but you know, at the end of the day, this is a business, so um, you know, they have to make the tough decisions. And you know, my job is just to go out there and play my best. But um, you know, it would mean a lot just to you know, get that confirmation from them and um, just really send a message that they trust me to um, you know, lead this team and you know, be the quarterback for the Bears. You know, as a true like outside observer, uh, someone who is not in the building, does not at the moment have any other way to view a player than through what he says through the media and how he plays on the field. I have always had my questions and my opinion and hopefulness for Fields as the starter going forward has deteriorated throughout the years. But he deserved better because when you're in a position where there is questions about the staff and the offense, and like I said, DJ Moore said it best, it, it means that you need play calling to effectively elevate you. 
And it just felt like the entire time, whether it was under Nagy or whether it was under Eberflus and Getze, whoever, that he was not put in the best position to succeed. Now, it will change, in my opinion, as at least Getze is fired. And after this game, you can't reasonably stick with Eberflus and be a serious winner. Like, get out of here. It'll change because you have a better financial situation drafting Caleb or Drake May. And, in my opinion, talent reasons. But I, if Justin Fields is not the quarterback next year, and again, as the outside observer and pure analyst of what I can see and what I can hear, I think he should be gone. But I will not take victory laps for how badly this distraught organization pathetically screwed up the start of his career. I don't think that his ceiling is going to make us regret it, but like from that clip and everything that we've heard otherwise, I admire how he's handled everything despite this shit organization and like I don't know. Like maybe I wouldn't be necessarily the perfect personality match with the guy, but like you can never fault him for any way that he has handled himself, even going back to earlier this season where he caught flack for saying that coaching was an issue. Well, God damn it, he was right. Williams or May will be awesome. Strip down every ounce of the coaching staff. And Bulls, this is your last chance. Draft neighbors are a doomsday too. Set it off and running. And you might have a year I would not bet on to if you do not put these guys in the positions that succeed. But, I mean, what else do I have to hope for? Okay, on a less somber note, uh, Raven, do you come prepared with picks for the wild card round? I come with a few. I'm not going to be going over all of them, but... No worries. Just... Uh, just going to run through. So what we're going to do is I know we've been doing uh, bets that we pick at the start of each week. Um, those of which that I believe I went three on three and one on last week. That is correct. Shout out the Texans, Bills and the Michigan Wolverines. But for this, we're just going to go through and pick each of the wildcard games and we'll go through the playoffs and whoever wins. um by each other lunch could also do the like the the Instagram profile bet where you get to choose the other person's profile for a week picture um, and they're forced to at least post a reel or something but I'll only do that if you're willing to do that I say we just do lunch that's easy Pussy. good food coward all right whatever to that effect first we have two Saturday games First, Browns-Texans. Texans, actually the hosting team after winning the AFC South. Who do you have? I'm going to go with the Browns. Joe Flacco, baby. Going back to what I said earlier, I think that America... I think FanDuel, I think DraftKings, I think that every betting site on earth is so glad that Joe Flacco made the playoffs. Because any amount of losses that they've made, Q1 is going to look great for all of those companies. Because Joe Flacco is back in the playoffs, and I know that we have a, uh, a certain playoff run to look back at. But that was literally a decade ago, 
And as much as this is great, he still has uh, gotten quite a bit lucky with some of those interceptions. Their defense is awesome enough that I think that that might just be enough. But I'm looking at Stroud to, to do some shit that hasn't been done before because that is all he's been doing this year. So I'm going to take the Texans. Okay. Uh, Dolphins-Chiefs, the Peacock game, Saturday night, that your older relatives will not watch. Who you got? I'm going to go Chiefs. I don't feel like the Dolphins have the health needed that they really do need. But Chiefs, you know, good team. Not added much. Um, it's hard for me to bet against Mahomes in the wild card round because I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, every year that he has been the starter, they've won at least a playoff game. So I'm not about to choose against them when they're playing the Dolphins team that is coming into Arrowhead and severely banged up on defense, missing their two primary edge rushers. That, I mean, going back to the Bucks Super Bowl, that was always the way to have even a chance against a, like, prime work in Mahomes, but they, they're just not going to be able to have the horses. Uh, going into Sunday, the real games. Well, okay, I take it back. This is not a real game. Uh, Steelers at Bills, like, not to speak for you, but you. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go with the Bills just because... I don't trust the Steelers' offense at all. If you were to do like a, is your quarterback good enough to win a playoff game manifesto, I think Mason Rudolph would violate every rule on it. Um, midday, probably it's not the game of it's not the game of the day because that's the Sunday night. But Packers at Cowboys, the Cowboys, as you know, have had issues with them in the past, but that was the demons of old with Rodgers. But what do you think? You know. McCarthy, big history between them. Dude, he might get fired. If yeah, he I really, this game. I, I'm praying I, like, on that. He's dude. not, he is not at any risk right now. If he loses to the Packers again in their first year with Jordan Love, it's not a good look. It's disgusting. I mean, you know, I'm gonna pick the Packers, but I do think this is gonna be a closer game, like one of the closer games in the wild card. It really just depends on. Can Jordan Love Dude, produce? If, if Joe Perry just goes into a coma and they pull someone off the street to run the defense, I would I would probably pick the Packers. But I can't in good conscience, and because I think that defense will get the doors blown off of it by by Dak and CD. Get my favorite game, the one I'm looking forward to most, Rams at Lions. I'm going to Lions. They got the they got the energy. They got the city behind them right now. Probably. Ah, I so want to be contrarian. But do you trust the Rams? I trust Stafford more than Goff. That's that's fair. But do you trust the Rams? Fuck it. Yes. Okay. <laughs> that that's it. Um, not that I'm actively rooting for Lions misery to continue. I'm just. Hey, you know, diversify, but also like, look, this is not a bad season if they lose in this game. They won their division, yada, yada. But McVeigh, despite still being one of the youngest coaches that we have, is also one of the most playoff tested and has proven that he can adjust to whatever he's got. And again, credit to Campbell for what's been done this year. I'm going to stick with the experience on this one. 
Although, going against experience, Eagles at Buccaneers. Who you got? You know, with Jalen being injured, like, I got to go with the Buccaneers, and especially with the downfall of the Eagles the last seven weeks. Like, I just don't see enough from them to really have the fight almost. I feel like they're just so disheartened and Buccaneers are coming out with uh, Baker. So I don't know. I think Baker can pull it off. You know, he's always got those mystical moments, but it's going to be a defensive side of game in my opinion. Look, I was tempted and I just, I know that, I know that he's hurt is the thing. And I, but I also know that I don't know that Baker's hurt. I'm pretty sure. This opened as two and a half point favorites for Philly, which feels about right. Because I think on a neutral field, this is like you would bet the you would bet the Eagles, but it is at home. Look, the Bucks looked bad against the Panthers. They scored nine points. I can't in good conscience. Like, I get your point, and I won't be surprised, but like choosing with my brain, I'm taking the Eagles. Uh, last but not least, just because haven't talked about it yet, congrats to the Wolverines. Um, as far as college football goes, I will never pretend to be an expert. My um, my expertise comes over the next few months when I like uh, contract foreign diplomats to find me YouTube videos on like defensive linemen from Western Kentucky. But a couple things. One, Michigan deserved to win. This was really close, and I, I said it during the game, but if uh, if the whole football thing doesn't work out, Michael Penix has a future as a character actor who is solely commanders leading his team into battle because like prior to the fourth quarter, he had a scrum around him in a way that I've never seen, and he was doing like the holding up the W for Michigan thing, and all I could think of is like this guy is the opposite of Jameis Winston. And look, if I am the Seahawks, I know we talked about the Broncos and Raiders earlier. If he, I really want him on the Broncos, the more that I think about it. If he is your guy, awesome. Because you are set up to succeed. On the other side, McCarthy's going to get drafted too. And some people think about him in the first round. I still doubt that. I am reconsidering my position because enough people have talked about him maybe being the fifth quarterback, even over Bo Nix that I am going to reconsider my thoughts on him. Uh, I will say my favorite part of the national championship broadcast was um, them describing describing his routines and um, some of the things he does to stay grounded, sometimes literally. The ones I took notes on being uh, that he would brush his teeth with his left hand to produce alpha brainwaves. Um... Part of that makes me think he's just crazy enough to succeed because I I know you like Mina Kimes too. And the thing that I remember her most for is saying um, to be a successful QB in the NFL, you either have to believe in God or believe you are God. And, you know, this lends itself to the latter. Uh, They also showed him prior to the game standing by the goalpost. Um, He takes his shoes off. So that he can stay grounded. Yeah, I've saw literally. This. I saw this. This was weird. Um, he meditates, and then a 
with a coach who's apparently been with Michigan for a minute, so I'm not going to necessarily criticize the practice. He also does mantras and uh, does, makes very intense eye contact when doing said mantras. So um, good for him. Uh, small notes. I mean, anyone listening to this song doesn't probably doesn't care that much about it, but Donovan Edwards and Blake Horam in are Michigan's running backs and in a draft class bereft of guys like Bijan Robinson or Saquon Barkley. I would be really excited to have both. Uh, Donovan's first two carries in the first quarter were two breakaway touchdowns for 87 yards total. Um, just going by PFS board, uh, Corum is their RB2, Edwards RB4. If you are a team looking for depth, go for it. Uh, there were a couple plays where it could have swung the other way, like Adunze had a tough time tracking what was a potential touchdown. Penix threw it over the wrong shoulder like about 10 minutes left in the second. That could have been huge. McMillan sometimes looked like the best player in that game. He's also getting drafted this year. And like while it was the most mistakes Penix has made while he's been healthy, he got the shit kicked out of him. He was holding every part of his body when this was finishing up. So credit to him. Um, I think the Washington defense is going to get destroyed about this, but honestly, it looked more like just a blocking clinic. And I think that if one of three Adunze, if more than one of three Adunze long throws actually goes their way, they're in a position to at least be 2020 going into the fourth. But blue did in fact go. Um, Raven, did you have any thoughts on the championship? Not really. I, I've worked for the first half and saw that it was a decently close game by halftime, but I think that the final score betrays how close it was. Yeah, I I think that was kind of the feeling that was going to go, like how Georgia BYU kind of happened a few years ago. Like, I don't know. It's It was a good game. Very happy TCU. for... Yes, TCU. My bad. Um, happy um, Jim Harborough got the got a trophy. And what he said after the game was pretty funny, that he can finally sit with his brother at the big boy table. Right. Well, so, he'll be able to sit with him, too, when he goes to the NFL next year. Yeah. Um, I have nothing else to add. We didn't talk about the Golden Globes. Sorry, because I don't care. But my conspiracy theory is that they got someone to bomb just so that people would actually talk about it for once. But that's just me. It was awful. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Subscribe and listen to everything else on the Aletheo Network. Thank you, Raven, very much. Do you have anything to plug? You have your uh, your show on its own. Yeah, On the Gravel uh, with me and Oliver. It's on our own uh, show page now under Aletheo Media. It's on a Spotify and Apple Music. Rate, like, subscribe. We'll catch you next time. Right on.